time of celebration. And um, sometimes, though, it can feel like none of those. Um, sometimes it can feel like uh, we alluded to, you know, the Israelites before Jesus showed up. There were hundreds of years where they were waiting and anticipating under, you know, oppression and what seemed like endless um, constant strife, waiting for their Messiah to come. And sometimes the uh, Advent season can feel like that. The whole idea of Advent is that anticipation and waiting for uh, the arrival of our King. And He does come, and He has come, and He will come again. But it can be really challenging to stay in the midst of that, to stay in that vein of, of anticipation and waiting and, and longing to see Him. And, and uh, today's Advent reading, um, side note on the Advent reading, not sure why, but the first two weeks only have six. Yeah, so it kind of was tripping us out. My daughter pointed that out, Chelsea, and we're just like, oh, okay, so you get a free day. So there you go. But the one that is scheduled for today uh, is pretty good. And um, a couple of things. You know, sometimes um, when we're going through the Advent and we want to be able to preach on it, it's like you read that and you go, you know what, that's pretty good. So I'm just going to read that to you. And then I'll talk a little bit about it. And then one of the best ways to really understand what the story is communicating is through an illustration. And so... You know, I could come up here and tell a story about somebody and the suffering and all of that and what they went through. But we'll do something better. We're going to have someone live uh, to come up and share today. Francis is going to come up, and he's going to share. Uh, not right now. In a minute. Just hang on. Here. Okay, I will get to you. Okay. Yeah. His wife has the taser, by the way, just so you know. But we're excited to have Francis come up. He's been through a lot in the last couple of years. And so he is basically a living illustration right now of what we're trying to communicate, of the idea of suffering, but yet still having hope. So, I'd like to read for you uh, today's Advent reading. Once again, oh, you get two free days this week, because you don't have to read today's, and then you got one more, so there you go. You're great. You're good. You're good. This is called The Good News About the Bad News. Sometimes suffering can't be spiritualized. Wait, before I do that, I forgot. I almost forgot. I forgot my grandbaby. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. I got I to gotta get out the details. So, all right. I'm introducing for the very first time, Charlotte. How do you say it? I always get the, the thing. Everly. Everly Ann. Charlotte Everly Ann Verway. Woohoo! <laughs> Sorry. She was born on Monday, December 4th. Eight pounds, 13 ounces, and 21 and a half, oh, 21 and a quarter inches long. Yes. So we're excited about Charlotte. I just don't know why I trip it out on that Everlay, Everlay, Everlay Ann, Everlay Ann. My wife's middle name is Ann, and so I just want to skip the Everlay and go right to the Ann because I would become more natural. Like if I was like her grandfather or something, I might actually remember that middle name. So, yeah, yeah. I'm Canadian, yeah. So, yeah. So with the exchange rate, that means I'm not her grandfather. I'm like, I don't know, something twice removed. I don't know. Wow, that was horrible. But we're excited for Charlotte, and we're looking forward to it. But as always, um, just, you know, give the mama and the babies a little space, you know. Um, we know we all want to grab the babies and hang on to them. But, um, yeah, tis the season for colds and all of that stuff, so let's not share the wealth. But you can go over there and bless them and have a look at her. And she is beautiful. And so we're very excited for her to be here. Okay, back to reading. Uh, the good news about the bad news. I have some good news for you. There's going to be bad news. 
Christ's incarnation was punctuated by bad news. His arrival saw the slaughter of a generation at the hands of a tyrant. His ministry climaxed with his torture and execution. Even after the victory of the resurrection and the birth of the church at Pentecost, his spirit-filled followers were persecuted and exiled, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Eventually, the church took the gospel global, only to suffer pain and division over petty theological disagreements and cults of personality. I imagine this is not the messianic story Israel had expected, nor was it a dream of the early church. Israel had ex- oh, excuse me. We live in a culture obsessed with eradicating pain, inventing and selling technologies to insulate against it, pills to dull it, or self-help techniques to avoid it. It's unpopular to say life is hard, expect to suffer, but it's true. Jesus says directly that in this world you will have trouble, John 16:33. And though we have heard this, many of us have found ourselves shocked, angry, and unprepared when we actually do experience deep suffering. At the, as the dust settles, we realize our reactions to life's troubles don't match the theological truth we affirm. I've been jarred by the dissonance more than a few times. Jesus' teaching that we can expect a life filled with bad news and expect him to lead us through it is actually good news. Knowing that suffering is coming inoculates us from the shallow spirituality that believes pain can be avoided or or attributes difficulties to unfaithfulness. It's no exception or failing when we suffer. It's a baked-in fact of life. That's kind of depressing. If we believe that our efforts or positive thinking will protect us from pain, we are set up for an existential shock when it comes. Christ is forthright about this reality and invites us to accept both the inevitability of trouble and the assurance that he will overcome it and that he has overcome it. This reality is actually quite liberating. Christ overcame the world's suffering and temptations in the same way he overcame death, not by removing it, but traveling through it faithfully, allowing it to become the very vehicle by which he offers salvation to the whole cosmos. In John 16, 33, Jesus invites us to do the same by living from the peace of the Spirit rather than the anxiety of our circumstances. Seeing the trouble of the world as an aberration held in Christ's hands and expected reality we are empowered to walk through. Suffering will come. Sometimes it'll be short or it'll be the sort you can't spiritualize and probably think you can't face. When it happens, don't be surprised. And don't think, It's on you to make it a miracle. Remember that it's Christ who overcomes. Trust him, lean in, and allow him to do the work of saving you and the world through it. This is the earthly reality of the Advent story. Hallelujah. So John 
6.33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he tells them this. This is after, like he's saying, there's going to be stuff happening. But you know what? It's okay. It's coming, yes. Life is going to be tough. Life is going to be hard. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So through the death and resurrection, we have victory over sin and death. That's what Jesus came to proclaim. That's why he says, I have overcome the world. It's through his death and resurrection, he destroyed sin and death. What it means is, no matter what's happening around us, we can have hope that in the end, it's going to turn out pretty good. It's going to turn out awesome, right? But the problem is, is sometimes that pretty good, it's like it may not happen here and now. But it will happen. Sometimes the pretty good doesn't manifest itself until on the other side of death, until we're standing face-to-face with Jesus. And that's a tough thing. We go through problems sometimes, and sometimes... There's a resolution to them. Sometimes we come out on the other side and we have a moment of reprieve, and then sometimes we don't. In the book of John, Jesus says this to his disciples. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Basically, he's saying, I give you peace, so take heart. And the reason we can have peace, even in a time of suffering, is because of what Jesus said earlier. I have overcome the world. So we will have trouble. Jesus is telling us we're going to have trouble. There's going to be hard times. But in the midst of that, we can find peace. We can find hope. We can still have hope. Like the Israelites waiting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for their Messiah to show up. They still had hope. But in the midst of that, that's what we hang on to. It can be really demoralizing if we're thinking our lives are going to be a cakewalk. And then all of a sudden, trouble after trouble or hard things come. And then we're just like, ah! (laughs) But if we know that things are going to turn out eventually for the good, we can have peace in that moment. Now, once again, I don't, that doesn't mean like as a Christian, then we become like, we go around and look for trouble. It's like, (laughs) no, we don't. I don't want to, I don't want to go through hard times. I don't want to go through difficult times. I don't want to go through you know, anything challenging. I want to be comfy. But I think when we have that mindset that if trouble does come, and it will come, that we can have peace in the midst of that. That's what Jesus is trying to say in that scripture. That's why there's good news about bad news. (laughs) The bad news keeps coming, but there's good news. Jesus walks with us in the middle of that. He has overcome. And so it's by his strength, his grace, his love, his everything, that we can take heart. During Christmas, we hear that, you know, we hear peace on earth, right? That's what the angels said to the shepherds. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And sometimes you're like, like this earth? (laughs) Uh, Where? But we can, in the moments of those difficult times, we can still have peace on this earth because of Jesus, because of what he's done. Philippians 4 through 7 says it like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
That's the crazy thing about his peace. When we engage with Jesus, when we allow him to take our burdens, when we come to him and we acknowledge our complete need for him, when we say that he is our Lord and our Savior, we say, Jesus, here's my life, here's the troubles, I give it to you. There's a peace you can have that will just, you won't be able to understand it. You won't be able to understand it, and you won't be able to necessarily explain it. And it's something you can only know, you can only know the peace of God if you have peace with God. If you want peace in your life, you're not going to have it until you have peace with God. And that peace with God comes by surrendering our lives to him, acknowledging that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We call it getting saved. (laughs) We give our lives to him. He sets us free from our sin. And we become a child of God. We have peace with God. And then we have the peace of God. So like I was saying, you know, it's, uh, it's easy to, or not easy, it's better, or we can talk about this, right? We can come up here and I can share some more about, and there's lots of scriptures. But what I'd really like to do is just have Francis come up, and now you can come up. Yeah, yeah, now it's you. Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're golden. And uh, as he's coming up. But over the last couple of years, Francis has been through a lot of stuff, and um, this He's just basically what we just read for the Advent devotional. He just lived that in these last couple of years. And so that's why I really, when I was thinking about this, I was like, man, you know what? He needs to come up and share that because he has been through a lot. So we're going we're gonna to sit down. You guys, are gonna, we're going to have coffee, Francis and I. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. You, you didn't bring any? We're going to share that. You can share mine, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. just don't get any beard hair in it because that's, you know, that would be kind of weird. That wasn't part of the script. But that wasn't part of the script. Right. We don't really have much of a script, actually. So <clears throat> we're just going to talk about what you've been through and stuff. So um, like we said earlier, Francis, a lot of people know. They know who you are, but some don't. Uh, so I've been just, away for a couple of years. You've been away for a couple of years. Yeah, Francis has been, uh, he's been part of our church for a long time. So let's start with your family. Tell us about your family. I'm married to the best woman around. And I'll, I can get to where, why that is true once I start talking about my recovery. But I'm uh, happily married. Uh, we were, my wife Pam and I were married in May of 1975. We have three great kids, eight grandkids, one less than, how many do you have? Eight. <clears throat> we tied John. <laughs> And uh, we're counting Chelsea's. It's still in her belly, but we're still counting that as number eight. Okay. So anyway, um, love and life. Uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. A couple years. It was a little, yeah. It was love and a little, diff- little different, but yeah. Yeah. You got a nice family. So yeah. how long have you been walking with Jesus? Uh, I met the Savior in. May of 1972, I think it was. I was a year old. Hmm. <laughs> that means that I'm... I was, I was born in May, 1971. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's right. a long time to walk with Jesus. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a cakewalk, hasn't it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so what are you currently doing? In your life, 
Well, I uh, actually I had been driving school bus. Uh, we had we've had some businesses throughout the years, and sort of kind of retired from the business world. And I I've been driving school kids around, and that that's been just a real a real incredible treat. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not just saying that just because I should, because maybe there's some of the kids in here that. <laughs> If I say there's some little devils, they'll be wondering, is that is it I? Yeah. Is it I? But no, I I take it as an opportunity, and um, so anyway, that's what I've been doing and uh, chasing grandkids and loving on them, and yeah, I've been just really having a. I mean, other than the few little things, well, I'll just say, 20 years ago, I went through a real tough time. I don't know if you remember that or not. Twenty years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got into a real deep depression, and so I just want to tell you that Francis isn't up here like Job. You know, it's like, yeah, you've done all these things for him, and of course he will serve you. But no, I, I've had some, I've had some, bra- you know, Pretty scrapes and bruises, and yeah. most of them self-inflicted, I might say. <laughs> we got tobacco. So um, I'm going to ask you a couple of things, and you can either confirm or deny these are true. Uh, one is is that you really like mushrooms, not that kind of mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Yes. Food, food mushrooms. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Are you a mushroom guy? I would like to know a be-, be a better forager, but I am. Yeah. Yes. So yes. you forage out into the woods and find mushrooms. I forage, but not find. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like when you go fishing. Yeah. You're just fishing. You're not catching. Sometimes I wonder why I'm like just throw my my worm some swimming swimming pool yeah it's it's just as good yeah all right so you like mushrooms okay and this one you can't deny so have you when's the last time you wore shoes today oh wait no i didn't did i um you don't hmm. like shoes no no yeah i think i like shoes a little less than i like socks yeah i don't know they're kind of well, for you to get dressed up means to put socks on with your Birkenstocks. No. Oh, oh, long sleeves. John, I yeah, I went out of my way today. Yeah, <laughs> you look good. Yeah, he didn't even notice. I. D- <laughs> he looks beautiful. And the other thing you don't like are pants. You don't <gasps> wear pants. Oh dear. And you can't deny that one because your legs are showing. Yeah. When's the last time you wore pants? He's like, I don't remember. It might have been in uh, when we went to a wedding out in <coughs> out in Minnesota. It was, a, it was spring break out here, so it was like you know, 65, 70 degrees out here. But in northern Minnesota, where they were having this wedding, our spring break, it was like seven degrees, with about a 40 de- 40 mile an hour wind. And I'm not sure if I found a pair of pants there or not, but, I, but <laughs> it was, it, you wish you it had was in my heart. I, I, it was in your heart to wear pants yeah, on that day. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is a true story. I just, just give you some context to how well, you this is probably true. turn it down there, Trevor. Mine. So this one's true. This one's true. This one's true, too. Another one. So um, we one year we did a uh, – I, I got an old truck from the farm, and uh, we put some – Anyway, it was an old truck. We put some hay bales on it, and we were going to tour around and do the lights, you know, and show people lights. 
Well, the day we did that was the coldest day of the year. And so Francis showed up in, I think he had a coat on, but, and you did have pants that day, and you had Birkenstocks with socks. And so I knew it must have been cold because he had socks on his Birk. And that was the only time I'd ever seen Francis, like, slightly cold. I mean, the guy is tough. He knows how to walk through things. So I was really impressed, yeah. Also, the kids who were on that trip, you know, like when uh, you put so many, uh, you you know, know, so much coats and layers on a kid, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think we were all in awe of Francis because we were all froze to death, and he's just like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's chilly. So Francis is a tough guy. And I say that because um, you've been through a lot the last couple of years. And uh, it hasn't been easy for you. It hasn't been just like a, a mild season of, of physical pain. It's been pretty intense. And so that's kind of why we're here. I'd like to just start sharing about that and how the Lord's walked with you through that. And so, yeah. Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't, like, I didn't go through, you know, suffering 101, suffering 105. I was kind of th- thrown right into the to the Ph.D., the doctorate. And, uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I had some, I went through issues that I'd never gone through before and really hoped that no one that I know ever goes through or, or goes through. Um, I, so I just, I had some heart issues, some respiratory issues, and, and I had some issues that were quite complicated and complex where the folks, the, the folks that you think that might know what was going on that might kind of treat what was happening with me, they, they were pretty dumbfounded. And and so, yeah, I suffered quite quite a bit. But you know what? I, I, I'm not saying this was planned because I don't, I, I don't, I, it, it wasn't planned. But um, my best friend and I, um, we, we uh, hopped on this trail of, hurt and suffering about the same time, Terry, Terry Johnson. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if the Lord might have uh, thought maybe I might need a little companion, you know. Uh, and this is kind of hard because it, 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 it ended, well, not ended, but, but things went differently than it did for Terry and I. But the, the, the neat thing about it is that Terry and I, we, we had a lot of times that we were able to talk. We've, we've actually, I, I met Terry about, Terry and Patty about five weeks after I met Jesus. So ter- Terry and I have been friends since the early 70s. And uh, we got to, we got to talking, you know, and, and you know, kind of lighthearted, we, you know, like brothers would. And uh, it got to the point where, you know, it was like, like we were, we were both pretty, we were, we were both, and we were like, who's going to make it first? <laughs> who's going to cross the tape first? Um, we were both ready to go. And uh, Terry was, I mean, not that we didn't love our wives and our kids and grandkids and, you know, John, love John. But 
I wanted him to blush a little bit. You see it? Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to make light of it because it's not a light of it, but if if you've ever had somebody that you're close to, closer than a brother, Terry and I, we were able just to talk about stuff. And um, um, so anyway, I, yeah, I, I heard a lot. <laughs> so um, what, were, what were some of the... Like so, we're back up to like what were what was the main uh, the main physical issue that you were going through that was causing so much pain? Give us a little context for that, okay. And, okay. and and like pain levels and what mm-hmm. you were going through. Mm-hmm. I had uh, what they call pericarditis, which is there's a membrane around the sac that um, uh, normal people. That blew that one out of the water. I was going to say. I mean, you're wearing Birkenstocks. There's not very many times when I wished I had been normal, but that this is when I wish I would have been. That was a sack around your heart. Yeah. Um, But everybody has one of those. But normal people, once if that fills up with fluid, I mean, everybody, your heart, your heart just can't beat because it's that area around your heart has been the area that expands has been taken up by liquid fluid. But normal people, that absorbs back into their body, and it just kind of all goes. Well, mine didn't, and it took quite a long time for them to know that. And so I, I, I retained fluid. I had, you know, I had an extra three or four gallons of fluid in my body that I was. I don't know where it all, where where I was keeping it. But it was in your head. It was. <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't believe it. See what John doesn't realize is that. I haven't known him long enough to, for him to be able to do that, do that thing. No, he's good. He's good. He's all good. So anyway, so it took quite a while for them to be able to figure out what was going on, and uh, they finally did. But the, you know, the drawback was that they had to open me up and pull, you know, kind of look inside there and pull this pericardial, this membrane, because it was uh, it was damaged and. Um, scarred so it was it even though even so my heart still wasn't it was my it was like my heart was doing you know lifting barbells every day all day just trying to trying to beat because it, it couldn't it couldn't get beyond there but the worst of it that wasn't the worst of it the worst of it and I'm not going to get into detail because it's not fun but I have this I have this issue called CRPS and that was probably the most pain well, I mean, if you look up Google CRPS pain pain levels, uh, they're not sure if they know anyone any pain symptom worse than that. And that was tough. That was that. Uh, but you need to leave me a few minutes to talk about. You asked me about my wife because I need to mm-hmm. I need to talk about my wife. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're experiencing through all of these different conditions like debilitating pain um, you were pretty much in your bed or in a in a lounger not moving a whole lot there were times if, if I was going to move my wife was going to move me yeah you're in so much pain and um, I can say for absolute certain there's no reason for me to skirt the truth here but I never felt forsaken um, through the suffering and the issues and the pain and pain in the butt and just, I mean, I wasn't able to, 
I wasn't able to play with my grandkids. That was the first, the very first thing that I noticed when I realized that I was, um, that it was starting to get bad, is that my youngest, I call her Patu, my youngest came in and, and we always, you know, we would go into the bedroom and we'd play, you know, um, airplane or helicopter and, you know, I, I would just pick her up with one hand and do whatever I needed to do. She came up to me one day and said, Papa, can you do helicopter? And I said, sure. And I went, reached down and it's like, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. And that, that bothered me. That, uh, but anyway, that's just... Well, there's tremendous that, physical pain, and then there's all of the emotional side that goes with that and the things you can't do and the, mm-hmm. just feeling like, who am I? What's going on? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, there was a point where um, you were talking with Terry, um, and uh, you guys were joking, kind of, sort of, uh, about, you know, who's going to go first. So you're thinking, like, because Terry was going through an incredibly hard time, too, Um waiting for a liver transplant and just so at the same time you've got these two um, 50 year long friendship uh, and you're going through this together and you guys were talking and so when you said cross the finish line you're like who's going to die first yes and so why was that like exciting but yet not at the same time like why were you even talking like that? What allowed you to be able to talk about Well, because it, it looked like it was going to be inevitable for both of us. I'm not inevitable. That sounds like so, you know, like, oh, really? Um, because it was, it, there, there was a chance that either one of us might be delivered first. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really how we looked at it. Um, um, we looked back at, you know, who who had been our our savior and our our you know our, our lord and you know we just there was just nothing that that uh, uh, I mean it wasn't a, like I said it wasn't like we there wasn't anything to stick around here for mm-hmm. you know yeah. I, I I was even really quite sure unsure how how I wanted to really talk about that because it you know it's like. Um, you know, I just didn't want Pam to, because I told Pam a couple things. I said, now, honey, you know that I love you, right? A few days ago. I, I didn't know. She's she's taking our kids over to SeaTac today, so she's not here. So there's no one here to verify any of this stuff. So I'm, you know, I can say whatever I want. But we are recording it, though. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hello, Internet. <laughs> love you, dear. We love you, dear. <laughs> she could but, be streaming right now. Yeah. So. But anyway, it, it, it's kind of tough to say, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die, honey. It's like, so you're gonna leave me? You know, yeah. you don't love me. You know, well, what you mean? Is you're just that flippant? Mm-hmm. Well, but I. But you know, she knows that I love her. Um, Terry knew that he that Patty loved him. Patty knew that Terry loved him. And I talked to Patty before I started talking about this because I didn't want to. I don't want to just dump it on her, but but it's it's only right for, I <coughs> get me on. I'm gonna go off on a path. I was so sick when Terry's memorial. Um, it just it broke my heart. I was not able to come up and share um, some of the special things that Terry. See, Terry was special to a lot of you. 
And I know he was. I mean, I'm not just saying that. But I knew him better than you all. And he was just... Um, this, old, this old Bible here, Terry gave this to me in probably 1974, 1975. It's been rebuilt three times by some Hutterites that I know. It's, 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 it's a poor thing. Um, and uh, I had, no, no, it must have been 73 because I had just, you know, I, I was, my hair was a little longer than some. And uh, I, after I got saved, I started reading, you know, about, you know, hey, you know, it's better to, for a guy to, you know, be a little more. Taking the advice, but anyway, <laughs> um, cut your hair, you bomb, John. I've got the stage now. So, um, but I, 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 I had this double-breasted jacket that I wore. You know, I was kind of the hippie guy. Just, you know, I, I, I met Jesus, and it was like, it was just, it blew me away. Just, just, I could not, I could not believe it. And I had this little, um, remember that pin, Pat, win with Jesus? <laughs> and I had this little white Bible. You know, here I'm this, this guy, you know, I had this little feminine-looking Bible, I'm sure. But it was the Word of God to me, so it really didn't matter. But Terry, if I was going to be hanging around with Terry, I was not going to be hanging around. I was not going to be toting that white Bible around. <laughs> He got you this one. So Terry, this is probably this is probably one of the most expensive Bibles. This is a Thompson change. Um, can I get a little promo for Tom? No, no, yeah. no. Okay, that's pretty cool. So what we're looking? I mean, you had years of friendship, years of of fellowship with him around Christ. You had years of walking with Christ and growing in Him and going through ups and downs. And it brings you to this moment in your life where you and Him are sitting together. You both know that there's a chance you're you're going to be done soon, and in some ways you're excited because you know you're going to see your Savior, and so you're kind of razzing each other because one is going to get to go first. Yes, yes. And at the same time, you're mourning and still like I got my wife, I've got mm. my kids, I got my grandkids, and um, so. How do you get to that place? Why were you able to be in that place? What gave you that kind of hope for life after death? Hmm. Wow. I, that's, I didn't expect that question because I don't know. Um, I mean, I would be boasting or proud or something to say whatever it was I said. So I... I I just, I know who I believe, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep which I've committed unto him against that day. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why. So your hope was in Jesus? Absolutely. In, in his promises and in his years of faithfulness in community and in just him relating to you and loving you and correcting you? and. Mm-hmm. I, John, I have never... 
never felt forsaken. Although, like I said, 20 years ago, several people know me quite well, and I, I, I went through just, it wasn't a physical, it was not, it was something very different than this, but um, never felt like I was alone. Never felt, even though I was, I looked, I must have looked pretty lonely. <laughs> I, I know I looked pretty, pretty tough. But, uh, yeah, I just, um, maybe I, I'm convinced that what he told me, just, he's going to stick to it. You're convinced his promises to you is real. Absolutely. Well, I, I would agree. I just, um, it's been, um, I mean, we've known you for, 30 years, my entire time here, and uh, just constantly watching you walk through things with the Lord, even though you've been really pushed down, and you've gone through a lot of hard stuff, like you said, and it's just been, it's been amazing to watch the faithfulness of God in your life, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted him to share today, is because it's just amazing, you know, like what I was reading earlier about, there will be trouble, but you can take heart, because he has overcome and, uh, you know, so even if you don't believe uh, an Advent reading or, you know, um, words from the pulpit or whatever, uh, you've got a living testimony <laughs> of God's faithfulness. And, and it's pretty phenomenal. God is so faithful. And, and um, I think uh, Patty would agree. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that promise still holds true for Terry, you know. Your, your, your good friend, he, he won the race. He beat you. He did. He's like, ha, ha. He did. But he's with the Lord, you know. The promises are still true for him. And um, I think that's one of the things we can, we can have. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end well. <laughs> when you walk with Jesus, it's going to end well, no matter what. It might not be on this side, but eventually we're going to stand uh, face-to-face with our Savior. It's going to be amazing. And that's the hope of this season. And that's the hope that we as a body of Christ come to bring to people. To come and, and say, hey, this isn't just about taking care of your needs. Although that's a big part of it. I get that. But it's through taking care of people's needs, through meeting with them, through connecting with them, through truly loving people, that we bring that same grace into them. And we say, you know what? Here's Jesus. You know, I'm doing this because of Jesus. I'm doing this because this is what Jesus did for me. And I want you to know him. And I want you to not look at me and say, hey, uh, this guy's bringing me stuff or helping me in some way. I want you to look at Jesus and say, he's amazing, and give your life to him. And that's why we do it. Yeah, I need two you, minutes. You, say, you can take more than two minutes because we're going to talk about your wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay, what I'm going to say is men love your wives without condition. Um. They are worthy of nothing less than your deepest love. And I was a recipient of um, passion and help and love from my wife that, that I don't know. I don't know how she did it. I really don't know how she did it. I mean, one thing, she's only five foot tall and she's trying to, I mean, there was a time when I could not move on my own. Literally, I could not move. Um, when John and a few people would come over to pray for me. And that's another quick thing. 
um, it's really hard. It's really hard to, to know what to say to someone that's hurting that bad, you know. So you really don't want to. You, you, you want to be there, but you don't want to be there. And I didn't feel like anybody, any, because I saw somebody or didn't see any, anybody that some cared more than others. I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, but, I mean, there were times when, when I wanted, just wanted to give Pam a break. They'd come over and pray for me. I'd say, hey, could a couple of you guys you know, lift me out of this couch so my wife doesn't have to, have to do this? Um, but she, she saw, I mean, she saw firsthand what I was going through. I lived on uh, a recliner for about seven months because I, I, could not, I could not lounge back this far without, without suffocating, without feeling like I was being, feeling like somebody had their, their hands around me. So she lived on the couch with me, you know, where, where, where I needed her, whether I knew I needed her or not, she, she was, she was there, John, where I needed her that I did not know that I needed her. Um, and I'm not saying that I've loved my wife better than anyone else, but I, I, I've loved Pam. Um, uh, now, Pam is a type A person. I don't know. Is this being recorded? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, it's legit. So she, she could be watching right so now. So she might see that reaction? That yeah. You just, okay. Yeah, yeah. She'll see that. Well, she told us that small group on uh, um, Thursday night. I said, Pam, you're really bossy, aren't you? And she's like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. so we know. We know okay. Pam. So I'm free to talk about that then. Yeah. But, no, honestly, I, I, I really shouldn't make light of this because um, I was loved on so much I cannot, I just cannot believe it. And um, men, if you want your wives to love on you, you better love on them. That's what I want to say. Maybe that's why I went through this, so I could just tell, tell you guys, the guys yeah. to love, love your wives. Huh. Hey, Amen. we went through that. Was that Amen. Right? That was good. Okay. Awesome. All right. Am I done? Nope. So um, it's funny when we were talking about this uh, with Nancy. She's like, well, we should all gather around and pray for Francis. And I'm like, no, he needs to pray for us. <laughs> Which is true. I think so. So if you'd like, I'd really like if you would just pray for us because um, uh, you've been through a lot. And um, once again, it's not that um, you probably admit, you know, you're not any more spiritual than anyone else or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just that you've been through something, and so you have a, a authority to be able to pray for others. You have a wisdom to be able to pray for others specifically who might be going through some hard stuff. And, um, and you also have a uh, uh, understanding of God's faithfulness and love that's just it's pretty awesome. And I think we all need to continue to grow in that. We need to deepen our love for Jesus. And one of the best ways of doing that is uh, receiving from someone who's been walking through some hard stuff. So if you, would you like to pray for us? I mean, you could say no, but that'd be a little awkward. Yeah, it would. <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh, the beginning and the end. I 
Savior. Lord, it's been good to be a part of these folks here that I call my family and and uh, I just thank you for allowing me to walk with them and walk with you and and be a part of a of a family not just here but a, a part of your family here that's abroad and that you've given life to. Oh Lord, I just uh, I would pray that as we live our lives in this body and this this flesh and blood that uh, does not cooperate real well at times that we would be bold and to come to you and know that you care and love that you'll never forsake us and that uh, you've called us to be stewards of of those around us that uh, that men have been called to love their wives and that we would be faithful and and we would be anxious, anxious to do, fulfill that calling that you've given us. And for our children, just pray that you would give them the uh, courage to love one another and to uh, the fascination they have with life. I pray that you would uh, teach them to love Jesus and to love their Creator. One other quick thing. I don't know if I was really wanted to do this or not, but you know, <clears throat> I was gonna I was gonna put add this in earlier when we were talking. But you know, Paul went through a, some real tough times. I mean, several tough times. But there's one. I don't know if you guys remember when he said, "I I prayed three times." You know, he's he was going through this issue, and we don't know what it was. Some say it was him. Some say he was talking about someone else, and and uh, and. He said, I prayed three times. And, and my, my question is, why did you stop at three? <laughs> I, I don't think I, But, but um, the Lord told him that, that he was made perfect in his weakness. He said, I am made perfect in your weakness. Because when you're weak, you know that you have nothing else to give. So if there's something else that goes further from you when you're weak, you know that it's beyond you. And that he's glorified in that. Amen. Can I be done? Yes. Thank you. I'm surprised you asked permission. I thought you were going to get up and leave. <laughs> Amen. Well. Francis's favorite spot is to be up in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah.